Hello, this is Jason Mann with the European Baptist Missionary and Friends podcast. I I train and I delegate. Give you if I give you the responsibility, I'll give you the ownership of it, and uh, but also I'm going to give you the resources that you need. This podcast is an opportunity to spend time with missionaries serving the Lord in Europe, as well as pastors here in the States, and what God is doing in their lives. Today we spend time with Curtis Hall and Brad Lowry as we talk about best missions and how the Lord is using Brother Hall in this ministry. Best missions, B-E-S-T stands for Bible Educational Services and Training, or Bible Publication and Distribution Ministry, as well as an Education and Training Ministry for National Pastors. We're sent out of Colonial Baptist Church in Rogers, Arkansas. We work primarily out of Bangkok, Thailand, throughout most of Southeast Asia, and now to the regions beyond. Amen. Thank you for joining us. And we have Brad Lowry with us today. I think most people listening to this will know who he is. He's serving the Lord in Croatia. And um, tell us more about the ministry. How did you get involved in that? And what is a day-to-day life for the ministry? Um, Well, it started with a um, missions trip as a supporting pastor. Uh, Our church supported Brother Bob Bowen, the man who founded BEST. And uh, my wife and I were originally scheduled to go on a missions trip to England and Scotland with our pastor. And he got an invitation to go to Germany. And it did the um, so messed up the plans. And uh, Brother Bowen, we happened to be in a meeting with him. And he said, well, come visit me in Thailand. And so we did. And the Lord just spoke to our hearts. And uh, we'd been to on several missions trips before that, but again, the, the Lord spoke to our hearts differently on this trip than on other trips. And uh, we uh, came back and began working with Brother Boyne more extensively as a supporting pastor, and then uh, continued to go with him every year to Southeast Asia to help uh, with the training of national pastors. And then after uh, a couple of years, God uh, moved us moved our hearts out of the pastorate into the ministry full time. And um, it was the Lord's timing because about, uh, well, I don't know, nine months or so into deputation, Brother Bowen's health began to um, go south and uh, more responsibility was placed on me as far as the ministry. But uh, the Lord's been good. He's taken care of us. And uh, almost from the get-go, I had to... uh, uh, do deputation, I say part-time because I was spending part of my time in Southeast Asia. So, uh, but now we have it um, established and set up where we've got a young Thai man that oversees a lot of the distribution there, uh, mainland Southeast Asia. And then 2020, we started expanding into the Philippines. We have some uh, American missionaries helping us there with the distribution centers, but uh, yes, sir. That's we met at a missions conference in Colorado and they took us yes. on and saw each other again in New Mexico and they took us on. So if we could just follow you around the country, we could get to the field a lot quicker. <laughs> and, uh, You're uh, very kind. It wasn't because it was me that they took you on. Oh. Well, there is a connection there. So I just wanted to follow that trail. It was working well, pretty good. Well, thank you. Amen. <laughs> so, so when, how long have you been doing this and, and, and um, full-time, part-time you mentioned? Yes, sir. So I stepped out of the pastor in August of 2016. So this August will be uh, seven years that we've been doing this. And uh, we've been on the road. We are on the road full-time. And uh, we uh, uh, gave up our home. And uh, I always joke and say I moved my wife and two youngest daughters who were still at home at the time from a 2,300 square foot brick ranch into a 320 square foot motor home. And then uh, a few years ago, the, the girls were grown out of the house. So 
my wife and I sold the motor home and I always joke and say I'm homeless now. So yeah. our, our home is the next place we lay our head. So wherever that might be. Yeah. Yes, sir. I think Very home's good. more about a person than a place. Yeah. The Bibles that you distribute, where do they come from here in the States? Um, well, a multitude of ministries. I'm an equal opportunity resourcer. So uh, whoever's willing to do a project for me, I'm very grateful and will let them do a project. Uh, for many years, when Brother Bowen um, first founded the ministry and was getting started, most of the whole Bibles came from Beams down in Gulfport, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. um, but again, now uh, the, the ministry has been established for uh, 19 years. This July will be 19 years. And so we've got um, quite a few ministries that uh, different ones do different things. You've got ministries that, that really focus on doing John and Romans and New Testaments and others focus on doing uh, the whole Bibles. So I'm very grateful. Uh, Seedline International in um, Central Indiana just sent our 40th container Monday. And so it was primarily all John and Romans that they uh, uh, supplied for us. And so, and they did a specialized cover for the Thai people. So very thankful for that. World Amen. Missions, Bearing Precious Seed out of Festus, Missouri has done the bulk of uh, scriptures uh, for us. And so we're very thankful for their partnership. Brother Sam Martin. Amen. So are they all going to the capital in Thailand? Or are they going throughout the country? Yeah. So, so our sending church is in Colonial or is Colonial Baptist Church in Rogers, Arkansas, which is next door to Bentonville, home of Walmart. So a lot of the people in our church work for Walmart. So we've taken a page out of Walmart. And uh, everything goes in and out of Bangkok. That is our main distribution center. But then we have regional distribution centers situated throughout Thailand. We've got uh, five or six regional, uh, which those are really just churches that have um, dedicated space for the scriptures. But those pastors not only provide dedicated space, they also work and coordinate with other pastors that are in their local area. So like when you um, when you go to Walmart and you pick up, you know, Colgate toothpaste or something like that, you're you're at a local store. But that local store is supplied by a regional distribution center, which is supplied by the main main one there in Bentonville, Arkansas. And so we've just followed that pattern and our main ones in Bangkok. Then we have regional ones around Thailand that supply local churches. So. Amen. A lot and of logistics. As far as the education side, uh, how involved is that? Is that like your Bible or full on for your degrees? What, what are you teaching? Well, mainly it's um, um, I've taught in uh, several colleges as adjunct faculty in the States. And so some of that is just resourcing material from when I was adjunct faculty. Some of it's coming in, helping with um, conferences like uh, what I did when, when I was still pastoring as far as helping Brother Bowen. And when I was in Nigeria just a little over a week ago, that was two separate pastors' conferences back-to-back -back in different parts of the country. And uh, so, you know, a big bulk of its conferences. But then the, um, we helped supply um, discipleship material and training material so uh, guys can start and establish their own institute. I'm a big believer in training. Um, I think if you uh, folks are listening, if they'll Google a book called Training of the Twelve by A.B. Bruce, it's written in the 1700s. It's a very thick book, but it outlines basically Jesus was here three and a half years. He knew he was leaving. And uh, so he spent a lot of time and effort into training if you would, the 12 and uh, the 11, but, uh, and basically kept on them. I'm leaving. Y'all are going to be in charge the last year. And uh, so often say this, that um, 
you know, the reality is as far as missionaries, uh, you know, there's a north of a 90% chance that we're not going to be David Livingston. They're not going to cut our heart out and bury it in Africa. Uh, even he was buried in Westminster Abbey. But uh, most people aren't going to die on the mission field. At some point in time, something's going to happen and they're going to come back to the States, whether that's health, whether that's family or whatever it may be. And one of the saddest things is, is to spend a lot of time, effort and money and not have something there lasting when you leave. And so a big part of that is just the lack of training. And uh, I know we're busy. Everybody's busy. But uh, Jesus wasn't too busy to train. And you get right down to it. He called the 12 unto him that they should be with him. And uh, that's where it starts is just letting Letting guys be with you. There's a, the young man, Tan, Juntasunk, the Thai young man. Uh, he worked on Brother Bowen's bus route. He practically lived at Brother Bowen's house. So he knew him. He knew how, what he thought and uh, what he did. And, and then when I started going over, Tan traveled with me, spent time with me. And the reality is there's a lot of questions that he can answer. If somebody says, well, what? You know, what would Brother Hall think? He would say, I'll tell you what he would think. I know what he would think. He spent time with me. So, but. Uh, That's great. Yeah. And you're doing the same in Africa. Is that what I understand? Yeah, we, um, uh, missionary Mark Holmes is a dear friend. And uh, he's, uh, he'd asked several times for us to come. They do a. Uh, six regional uh, pastors and workers conference, soul winning leadership conferences. And um, so he's always looking for people to help with those. And um, during COVID, I'm stuck in the States. Asia was shut down. And yeah. thankfully, thankfully, Tan was there. So we were able just to continue to keep the ministry going as far as the scripture distribution uh, aspect of it because I just enabled me to be able to be on the road more here in the States and continue to send scripture and tan, continue to get them out. But, um, through that, through a lunch with brother Holmes, uh, he asked, when was I going back? And I said, that's a good question. And he told me, he said, well, you can come to Nigeria. He said, all you have to do is have a negative test before you come. Hmm. And they, he told me, he said, uh, COVID's like number 15 on the list of deaths in Nigeria. And he said, so, yeah, he said more people are still starving to death in Nigeria than are dying of COVID. He said, so don't make a big to do about it at the airport. He said, but once you get out of the airport, nobody's going to say anything about it. And uh, so, uh, Hey, that's how it started was just uh, during COVID having the opportunity to go and, and help and uh amen yes sir amen brother brad do you have any questions about his ministry or well you know i was thinking um you know and of course brother hall knows this but um you know thinking from a european standpoint um you know i i, I wish that europe was like a lot of the asian countries or the african countries where people are hungry for the gospel but they're not you know it's just yeah. what you're describing is a pipe dream of sorts, you know, for, for those of us that are in Europe. Um, so uh, I guess I was thinking from the distribution aspect, you're talking about 40 containers that have gone to Thailand. Yes. Um, you know, um, we, we have received personally two containers of John and Romans and, and I, you know, in, in six years, we haven't got all of those out. Um, of course, it's just us for the most part, too. But, um, you know, I, I guess my thought, my thinking was, um, you know, the people there are are that interested. They're that hungry in getting John and Romans, getting scripture portions. And and we're, you, you must be talking about a large network of churches that are taking, you know, maybe, you know, 20,000 or 50,000 John and Romans at a time or yeah. something. And then, but that's a, a, there's just that many churches and that many people that are distributing them. Can you, yeah. can you explain a little bit further down the road, 
where sure. you know where the scriptures are going in that sense because uh, you know that's intriguing and and uh, man you know would love that but it just that doesn't work in Europe. Yeah, well, it's it's uh, almost <clears throat> twenty years in the making, so it hasn't happened overnight. And again, our regional distribution centers supply to local churches, and they're strategically located because when when I say Thailand, I I do so because it's a free sovereign nation with the freedom to preach the gospel there. But the countries around uh, Thailand, um, they're some call them restricted access. I call them creative access. I just believe with God, all things are possible. You just got to get creative and mm-hmm. how you do it. And so um, over 19 years, we, we have um, north of 400 churches in our, I call it distribution network that we uh, help, help supply scriptures to. And again, some of those are more aggressive than others in getting scripture out. I mean, that's, uh, you see that in the States, you see it in a lot of places, you know, others, some are more aggressive than others as far as, you know, just getting out and, um, and every country is different as far as what you can do and how you can do it. And so, but, um, yeah, that's, um, you know, we'll supply, we'll supply churches that, uh, you know, some, some will get a thousand, uh, John and Romans and they'll have them for a year or better and others will send 50,000 and six months later, they're saying, send us another 50, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but, um, yes, sir. So again, it, it just, it takes time and, and it takes, um, you know, this, this may be a, uh, not a good buzzword, but it takes networking and, uh, you, uh, you, you, I often remind Tan that personality is not the issue. The, the issue is the word of God. And so there's, um, there's people that, uh, probably don't care for either one of us, but we don't, we're not the, we're not the issue. We're not the sticking point. They need scriptures. We want them to have scriptures. And so, uh, you know, and it's again, it's taken 19 years to get to this point. So I thank the Lord for it. But uh, sure. And, uh, and Did we you say you work with 400 churches in Thailand. Uh, well, that's 400 in mainland Southeast Asia. I won't say all 400 of them are mm-hmm. in uh, Thailand, but there are countries around Thailand that uh, I know this is going over the air. So I'm careful about what I say. So, so uh, sure. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's more than just one country. There's five countries there, what's called mainland Southeast Asia and all 40 containers have not gone to Thailand. We've sent containers to the Philippines. We've sent containers to um, uh, India. And so uh, we've helped send containers to other parts of the world. Just, um, you know, where, where missionaries have, a need and uh, have the um, most people don't understand and realize. And brother Brad can probably uh, help explain this because uh, he's had two containers shipped to him, but uh, there's always a process. And most of the time, if you don't have a consignee in the country or a uh, container or a customs broker in the country that you're in, you might as well kiss mm-hmm. that container goodbye. So, uh, are those? Yeah, no, that's very true. You know, we have to. We're we're blessed to have a national uh, pastor in in Croatia that has mm-hmm. been integral. Uh, you know, I mean, there's when I say a national pastor, there there's only been three independent Baptist churches in Croatia since mm-hmm. we got there. We were the third, um, and and now there's a fourth that just started Easter Sunday. So. But one of those is pastored by a national, and so um, he has been uh, integral in helping us, you know, get containers of scripture in. Whether that just be, you know, talking to the right government offices, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the national, in the native tongue, uh, and not in a in an American Americanism, uh, you know, trying to to get it into the country, and 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 the Lord has given us favor with a. Um, 
It's actually a moving company with they move a lot of uh, expats and a lot of people, you know, a lot of governmental uh, officials uh, from different countries that are coming into Croatia. They move them in, they move them out. And so because of that, they have been a tremendous uh, blessing uh, in helping us to know how to navigate and get get the containers in. And, yep. and we had a couple of times when they were held up in customs and and it was the moving company, um, really, that we, we were like, look, you guys need to help us. You know, what's going on? Why is it sitting there? Well, then they were able to find out and grease the wheel. Uh, when I say grease the wheel, don't get the wrong idea. But they were able to grease the wheel and just kind of push the right buttons and talk to the right people to get things moving again and find out, okay, well, there's this piece of paper. Or, you know, in most most cases, it was just an oversight. And yes. they were able to, to find out well, why is it sitting, you know. Um, now, in one case, it sat there, uh, it sat there for several months, and then the, you know every day they're charging you a fee for it sitting in the port. Yes, sir. I don't think that was an oversight myself in that particular case. I think they were just hungry for money, but that's oh, yeah. issue too. That's so, that's a lot of places in the world, and it's just. The cost of doing business and yeah. uh, guys get frustrated but again that's you know it's there is a process there's logistics that are involved and uh and sometimes in certain countries you you do have to grease the wheels so yeah. and you know in in um, in that particular instance what was un- unfortunate about it is by the time those fees were paid we could have almost had another container. Yeah. You know. Yes, sir. It so. it it is. It but again, it's the cost of doing business. And uh it's um as frustrating as it is to us because of the way logistics are set up in the states and we're used to the way things move in the states. You have to constantly remind yourself I'm not in the United States. Yeah. And uh so this is their country and their bureaucracy, and I've got to play by their rules. Otherwise, it's going to be gridlocked. So, yep. It's exactly true. Yes, sir. Your question asked, and then, and then, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Answer, answer the other question. I was going to say, uh, Brother Brad uh, posed a question. I was going to, is that what you were going to ask? about? No, I was going to ask another one, but go ahead. Okay, so uh, Brother Brad asked about the the network, if they were all independent Baptist churches. The majority of those uh, are uh, in Southeast Asia. Uh, it's going to take me a little bit to explain this, that um, the um, Christianity is less than half a percent of the overall population. And so everything that says Christian, the Buddhists call it Christian. So like they they throw Seventh-day Adventists in as Christian, Mormons in as Christians, Jehovah's Witnesses as Christians. It's amusing to me, the only ones they don't say are Christian or Catholic. They're in their own category. And so uh, a lot of times when you're in Southeast Asia, you will see a church uh, I'll say Thailand, you'll see a church that has a cross and it will say such and such Christian church. And you get right down to it. They do that for identification to identify as Christians, because if if we go out and said, hey, I'm independent Baptist, most Buddhists are going to lump us into some kind of cult. And so we go in and we say, hey, we're a Christian. And um, then we begin explaining what first the gospel and then once they get saved you begin talking about church doctrine and politity and things of that nature and so with churches that um like there there's quite a few churches that are started by filipinos and they will say in thailand they'll say bible baptist christian church so they're covering all of their bases for their filipino ascending churches and for the people in Thailand to identify them as Christian and not as a cult. And so uh, 
we typically ask churches that contact us uh, that we don't know. Everybody has to be referred to us by someone we already work with. Um, so then they are they are recommending. They are they're basically putting their I would say neck on the line. But we, um, you know, there was a day and age that we had five fundamentals, and those five fundamentals were you know, key doctrinal things that even people that uh, uh, weren't like us could agree upon. And uh, so we have our uh, fundamentals, if you would. First of all, they have to believe salvation by grace through faith. And so that that will eliminate some of the works, a lot of the works-based salvation churches. Secondly, we um, emphasize eternal security. So that's going to throw out uh, the uh, Pentecostals and Charismatics. And uh, then the third one is, is they have to believe that the Bible is the word of God. And uh, so that's the foundation. And so a lot of times with um, churches that, that don't necessarily, I would say, at first identify as independent Baptists, you sit down and just start talking to them and see where they are doctrinally. And if they have those three things in line, then we will supply them at least once. And usually it's followed up by a visit and sitting down and trying to get material into their hands. And uh, really when you get right down to it, a lot of uh, a lot of churches are the way they are just because they, they don't know. And um, you get them literature, and uh, let them follow what the scripture says and point it out to them and uh, be amazed at how many uh, pastors and churches will uh, uh, fall in line with the scripture if nobody's uh, confusing them with their philosophy. And if we're not careful as Americans, we'll do it even on the mission field. We have idioms, we have culturisms, and uh, we have things that we're used to that we promote and do. And uh, I'll give you, um, I'll open up Pandora's box. I'm a big Sunday school guy, but you don't find Sunday school in scripture. So if guys don't have Sunday school, I'm not going to throw rocks at them. You know, now if they're in Thailand, I'll tell them I got 16 years worth of Sunday school lessons. I'll be glad to give you if you want to have a Sunday school program. And uh, most of the time they ask me, what is Sunday school? And so you gives you a chance to say, well, it's basically a teaching and discipleship time that you have before your morning service. And, uh, and a lot of them will do it in the Sunday evening. So in other parts of the world, people work seven days a week just because they're trying to survive. Uh, Nigeria is 200 million people. 120 million live on one U.S. dollar a day or less. So, uh, so that's probably a very detailed answer to your question, Brother Brad. Oh, it's great. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. So you said there's five keys. You gave three. I didn't catch the other yeah. two. Well, I know there, there were five keys. There were five fundamentals in the 1900s. Yeah. The early 1900s. Yeah. So. Very good. Yes, sir. So you talk about, about logistics. So my question is leadership. What, what, uh, what is your leadership style and how could that help others in ministry? And do you have any tools or hacks or programs that help you? <laughs> that? Pen and paper. Leadership paper hack. Uh, uh, yeah. Stuff. yeah. Yeah. It's called the three by five card in a ballpoint pen. No, <laughs> that's literally what I have in front of me right now. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, yeah, you know, Brad too. <laughs> yeah, all of us. Uh, all of us are are different, and so um, I'm a big delegator. And uh, but then again, I, I I wasn't raised in Christian school, and I didn't graduate Christian school and go to Bible college and then go into ministry. I was raised in a Southern Baptist church. I went to public school. I graduated public school. I went to secular college. 
and uh, I worked for Caterpillar Incorporated in research and development for uh, 12 years. And so uh, uh, there's a lot of things that I learned from corporate and then I apply to ministry. And um, I know ministries, uh, the, the old adage, ministry is not a business, but there sure are a lot of business principles and practices that ought to be implemented in ministry. And uh, so I, I train and I delegate. And, uh, you know, that's my, that's my two, my two hacks right there. So I'm more than willing to give you, if I give you the responsibility, I'll give you the ownership of it. And, uh, but also I'm going to give you the resources that you need and I'm going to take the flack when you make mistakes because the reality is, is that's how a lot of people learn is by seeing God use different personalities and, Mm -hmm. And um, I was just with Ken Fielder in a conference, if you guys know him and mm-hmm. his work, Bible translation. And uh, we were at a creation museum and, and the guy giving the tour asked him a translation question. And he says, I just got to tell you, I don't translate. I find people to translate. So he organizes things and delegates things the same way you do. So I had a chance to speak with him about that process. And it's just great to see. God used different men in different uh, positions, but all important in ministry. So that's why I was curious just to see what you would say. And, you know, I had a pastor once, everything was an Evernote. And if it wasn't an Evernote, it didn't happen for him. And uh, so he was just organized that way and different things like that. So, so three and a half by five card and a pen. No. Uh, <laughs> hey, l- listen, I, I, if I have a, uh, if I'm wearing a suit, I'll have a three by five card in a pen. But most of yeah. the time, most of the time, it's an iPhone. Uh, the uh, the notes feature on iPhone is a wonderful thing, and the reminders. And uh, yeah, um, great. Uh, yeah, I'm curious, uh, Brother Hall, with what you said about you know uh, delegation and letting people, giving them ownership, let them make their own mistakes, let them grow from those mistakes. And, and I, I, I would say it this way. Now I can appreciate that. And, and I, I agree a hundred percent. But I know, I know for myself uh, early in ministry, I was more of a micromanager. Uh, You know, it was hard to let things go and to delegate those things. So has that been a process for you or have you kind of always been that way? Um, um, maybe you can talk to that because, and I'm, I'm sharing that from the perspective of, you know, if someone's listening to the podcast to know that, you know, don't make the same mistake that I did. You have to, I think what you're saying is very true. You have to let people have ownership in something. You have to come to the place where you delegate. That's how you multiply. That's how right. you're going to, that's, it's an aspect of training that individual and letting them learn from their own mistakes and grow from their own mistakes and helping them to grow through that process. So I think it's a necessity, but it's not something that, you know, I mean, I know men that are still my age or older than I am that are still micromanagers. They just, Oh yes. So, um, you know, and I think that's detrimental more than anything else. That's my personal opinion, but maybe you can speak to that. Is that, has that been a process for you or is that something that came easy to you? Uh, all along it probably came easy to me my my um my mother owned a retail jewelry store with a um uh we had a large wholesale operation in the back of it as well and so i i was brought up in a business environment where everybody had their their role their job that's what they did and uh, then going into corporate just magnified it that much more um but I, you know, I will say this from from a scriptural standpoint. With that, that if 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 everybody will go back, if guys will go back and and do like an in depth study of the Synoptic Gospels and see the life of Christ three three and a half years, when you get right down to it, he spent the first year uh, basically interning the the apostles, and he said, "Follow me, and I will make you." fishers of men. But basically it was 
that they should be with him, that they should follow him and let him mold and make them. So they interned, if you would. Mm -hmm. Then the second year um, of his earthly ministry, he began sending them out uh, short term. He sent the 70 out two by two and then have them come back and give a report. And so, um, you know, you got, uh, I say internship or fellowship first, follow me. The second year's interning, sending them out, having them come back, giving them defined parameters. And I think that's key in delegating. You've got to have defined uh, expectations and parameters. Um, and then the third year was, was leadership. The third year, he began preparing them, saying, I'm going to be leaving. You're going to be in charge. And uh, that that's one of the key things to me in, in delegating and I'm going to say not micromanaging is the fact that um, um, I know for me, I pastored here in southern Indiana for almost 10 years. Well, when you get right down to it, I was an interim. I was a 10-year interim. But the young man that's the pastor of the church now, I trained him. And um, he's been there six years as the pastor. Well, if, if he's there 30 years, then the reality is uh, somebody came before him, me, and if the Lord tarries, somebody will come after him. It'd just be a 30-year interim. And um, every time I show up anywhere, I, I always tell my host or Tan, listen, I, I'm leaving. Here's when my return ticket is. This is when I'm I'm out of here. So this is the amount of time that I'm here. Uh, let's accomplish what we need to accomplish. You know, be with me as much as you want to be with me, and I'll help you. But I'm leaving, and um, and I think that um, you know I didn't walk into the pastor thinking I'm going to be leaving someday, but it happens. And so, uh, you know, I've got a dear friend of mine that um, pastored in this area 37 years. When you get right down to it, he was the 37-year interim. And uh, he trained the trained the young man that, that took his place. I'm on, and a, I'm on so a Zoom conference. Somebody was there before him. You're doing fine. Thank you. Somebody's there after him. And, um, you know, if, if um, I think that would help some with micromanagement, if the mindset was, I'm going to be leaving. And I always challenge guys with uh, what, what would happen, what would happen to the church, to pastors? I say, what would happen to the church if you got cancer, you were in the hospital, or you were in a car wreck and you're in a coma? What, what would happen? And, and I'm, you know, my challenge is always, if the church doesn't just keep on going, then you've spent too much time building it around you and not around Christ. And, and I know it's a podcast and I know that may sound harsh and very direct and blunt to those that may be listening. But when you get right down to it, Jesus was leaving and he put 12 in charge, 11, and they turned the world upside down. They had the ownership. They had the responsibility, but Jesus also gave them the resources, the power. So to go do it. And, uh, I think there's a lot of times um, um, people want to do things for the Lord. They, they just need to be allowed. And, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, people do things different and, and we have to accept that. You know, um, the way I do something is just that, the way I do something. And uh, I always, when I was pastoring, I always said this, listen, if it's not unscriptural, illegal, unethical or immoral let's give it a shot and we may learn uh, it's like we used to do a uh, carnival sunday and after about four years i was looking at my sunday morning crowd and they were getting out as fast as they could after the service was over <laughs> because it was chaos and i remember sitting there thinking you know we should probably not do these. <laughs> so just again, because I was I was wanting to to reach, uh, you know, everybody. But when I realized that I'm reaching one group and excluding another group, then I was just kind of like, yeah, OK. So. 
Yeah, sometimes ministry is trial and error. Yes. And you just have to, you can't be afraid to go, that didn't work. Yep. You know, yep. And, and to say that, you know, it, it's, it's not that it was a mistake. I think that's the mistake that some people make is saying that was a mistake. No, it wasn't a mistake. God gave you the liberty and the leadership to do it. So you do it. And then you just have to realize, like you said, that didn't work. So, yep. okay. So we move on. It, yep. Not that you wallow in self-pity or in regret or say that was a mistake. How was I so stupid? No, it wasn't any of those. It's just that didn't work. So yep. we're going to move on and try something else. Yep. And, you know, I think some of that um, uh, comes with maybe with age and experience and wisdom that comes with age. But, um, um, you know, it's hard not to take those things personally sometimes and say, well, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think I think that was the, the, the personal thing. I think being in corporate helped me with that. Because you sit down in a corporate meeting, and if it was a brainstorming meeting, you're you're we always call it spitballing. You're throwing things up against the wall, just seeing what sticks. You know, mm-hmm. there'd be a whiteboard, things would be written. And if your idea got written on the whiteboard and then it got dry erased, you you couldn't take it personal. No. You know, it's, you're part of the team. You're 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 not it. You're part of the team. And uh, so, so I think that that helped me from that of just realizing, hey, you know what? It, it's and, and I always joke and and say, you know, it's nothing personal. It's just business. You know, we say it's nothing personal. It's just ministry, you know, and it's not about us. It's about the Lord. And and, um, you know, I think there's a measure of thick skin. And, you know, you pastored, I pastored, we understand that it's got to be thick skinned. And, and uh, sometimes it's, you know, we got to be the ones realizing, hey, you know what, that uh, I, I learned and maybe it would be best if I'm the one that uh, took it on the chin and stood up and said, hey, let's try something else. Yeah. So, yep. but. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're closing on an hour. I don't want to take too much of your time. Uh, so, Brad, any final questions or thoughts? No, nope. just keep on keeping on, brother. Amen. Yeah. The, word, the word of God is what does the work. So get it out there and yeah. and uh, and and be a blessing, you know, to as many people as you can be a blessing and help to. It's a great ministry what you're doing. I'm glad I I kind of knew what you were doing, but now I have a greater understanding and a greater appreciation. So praise the Lord for what you're doing, how the Lord's using you, Brother Hall. Thank you, sir. Thank you for what you do. Man, yeah. understand Croatia is beautiful. Yeah, come see us. It, it's a beautiful country. You'd always Amen. be welcome. And uh, uh, Brother Jason knows, you know, I'm, I'm just... I don't know. Every day, you know, we go like this time we're on deputation going church to church. And I tell people it's a small country, but it is so topographically diverse. And and uh, the beauty of our country, uh, it's astounding. It really is for such a small place and a beautiful place, beautiful people. Just glad that's where the Lord has us. Amen. Amen. Everybody doing their part where God. I'm ready to go home. I know that much. (laughs) <laughs> leave the insanity called the united states and go home yes <laughs> so funny uh, two more questions the first okay. is do you have any book recommendations book recommendations you mean be, beside, but beyond the bible yeah beyond the bible uh, yeah yeah um you didn't i didn't read one Teaching the 12. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Training of the twelve by A. B. Bruce. Yes, yeah. I, I think I think every pastor for sure ought to have that. But um, I read every year. I read a book by Dave Ramsey called Entre Leadership. Yeah. It's a secular book, but uh, he defines success as a sustained focus over a long period of time. You got to be yeah. content with doing the same thing day in and day out. And I think a lot of ministry principles can be applied through things of that, um, uh, of, of his book. 
And then um, say the uh, name of that, uh, the title again, please. It's called Entra Leadership, E-N-T-R-E, and then Leadership. Entra Leadership by Dave Ramsey. Never heard of it. And um, then the other one, and again, both of these are secular books. I uh, um, Most of my uh, uh, non-Bible, I guess, theological reading is going to be Spurgeon. So I love to read a lot of Spurgeon. And uh, I um, typically don't read a lot of, uh, at least theologically, a lot of uh, authors that are still alive. Dead men don't change their theology. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so, uh, but uh, the other book, and again, it's a secular book, and it's, it has more to do with, with leadership and training. It's called The Effective Executive by Peter Drucker the effective executive and it's a good nuts and bolts as far as uh helping to learn your skill sets and and growing beyond some things that are that are natural you know um so by peter drucker peter drucker isn't that the guy off of green acres (laughs) <laughs> I think it's a different drucker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Very those good. are my my two or three recommendations. All right. Last question. It's normally yes. the last question for everyone. Is as I look at the landscape of ministry, there is not a lot of people surrendering to full-time ministry missions. What do you think the cause of that is and the solution? Um, the cause is the fact that for quite a few years, probably a decade or more, most of the slides or video presentations of the mission field were what I call grass huts and dirt floors. And so you're, you're showing all these kids, these remote villages and the dire need of the gospel to get to these villages and the reality is, is most missionaries aren't going to live in a grass hut or a dirt floor. And so instead of being open and honest, and um, a lot of times when I do chapel at a Christian school, I'll tell the kids I'm a sissy missionary because when I'm in Bangkok, I'm five kilometers from a mall larger than the Mall of America. And I like Starbucks <laughs> and I have my choice of three of them yeah. in Future Park. And so but I'm I'm open and honest. and. Um, if, if I go out to the bush or the country, I'm coming back someplace halfway modern for air conditioning, a decent bed and a Western bathroom. And, uh, so I, I think, um, I think we've created a mindset with the younger generations of what their expectation of the mission field is. And then I think the solution is that is just being open and honest and letting them know, yes, the need is great there, but let's get right down to it. Train a national to go there because he's used to that. If that's the country, if it's Africa or Asia, and that's, you know, the case. Um, If you study out the life of the apostle Paul, most of the places that he was at was more metropolitan areas. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I'll give you, for example, um, uh, he wrote at the end of Romans uh, a recommendation for Phoebe, and she was at the church in Censoria. No record of Paul ever being in Censoria. But when you look and realize where Censoria is, it's basically a farther out suburb of Corinth. So he may have been there, but I think chances are he trained somebody that went to Censoria. And so... Uh, you know, most of the time, again, I'm, I'm speaking Asia and Africa um, and places like that. If, you, if you've got remote areas, national guys are used to that. So I'm looking at pictures of Future Park while you're speaking. And if you showed that to my kids, they would definitely want to go. Yeah. Yep. They love to go to malls. Yeah. Yep. Hey, Krispy Kreme, Dunkin' Donuts, <laughs> McDonald's. There, there's a Dairy Queen on every floor. That's funny. Hey, man. So, <laughs> that's funny. What's a donut? What's a donut? 
We don't have donuts in Croatia. What's a donut? <laughs> you got cronuts? We have nothing. Nothing? Oh, uh, we, 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 nah, that's, we're starting to get some donuts, but uh, it's, it's different. Yeah. But, when we first looked, they didn't have any donuts. They had like a, oh, uh, they call it a croft like a filled donut with no hole. That was the oh, closest okay. thing to an American donut. So, yeah. Oh, uh, do you have Starbucks? No. Oh, we have they, better. Oh, I was going to yeah. say. We have coffee I, shops everywhere. So. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, I label countries without Starbucks as third world. Well, <laughs> we'll say oh, we're old world. We're not third world. Yes, Amen. And there is a difference. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that I think that again goes back to part of the solution is is taking the time to define and teach the young people what's first world, what's second, what's third, and what's old world. And uh, <clears throat> yeah. you know, so well, Starbucks yes. came on um, a vacation to Europe with the two guys that started it. They said, "What is this amazing stuff?" And they brought it back uh, to America. Yeah, Italy, so, I think, wasn't it? Italy, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I like the mom and pop coffee shops better. Yeah, so, yeah, but, it's good stuff. Yeah, Very good. All righty. Yeah. Hey, well, thank you very much for letting me come be on the show. Absolutely. If you don't mind, could you close in prayer? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day you've given us. Thank you for all that you bless us with. Lord, thank you that you've counted us faithful, having put us into the ministry. Lord, I pray that you'd use Brother Jason, Brother Bram, and their ministries. Lord, I pray that you'd use the podcast to be an encouragement, a challenge. And Lord, I pray that if uh, there's a young person listening to it, Lord, I pray you'd help them to not be afraid of the mission field. I pray that they'd be willing to take a trip somewhere and uh, Lord, just uh, open their eyes you said that uh, mine eye affecteth my heart. So, Father, please, I pray that you would uh, use these two men. And Lord, use them for your honor, for your glory's sake. Lord, use the podcast again. And we thank you for all that you do. We thank you for your love to us. Lord, we thank you for saving us. And thank you again for the privilege that we have to serve you and get your gospel around the world. And please give us the strength and the power we need to accomplish what your will would be. We ask it in your precious and holy name. Amen.